This is the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, a CFCP production with Mike and Laurent. Okay, we are back. We are back, but I am alone. I didn't reach out to Mike, so it's just me. But we're going to cover Manchester City versus Liverpool. We're going to cover Aston Villa versus Arsenal. We are going to cover Man United versus Everton and Chelsea versus Sheffield and the rest of match week eight's games. But first, I have to talk about it again because tyranny may have been thwarted in America, but the tyranny of VAR returns. So we still have the, ter- the mass terror of VAR. I've just been learning about – this is a side note. I've just been learning about Robespierre and the, uh, the terror of, um, of, the, of the French Revolution. And one of the things that he did was he decided, Robespierre – this is my history lesson. This is going to get weird – is that they started killing people because, the, because men were virtuous. And the thing that made them not virtuous was infighting and whatever. And if he could remove – uh, the aristocracy or whoever was non-virtuous according to him, then men would be virtuous and we would have a, uh, an idyllic society. That's what VAR is. VAR is trying to make football virtuous and perfect. And in trying to do so, it is destroying what it is trying to be. It's trying to make things better and make them perfect in a perfect world where there is no perfection. No one can prove that any of these things are perfect. No one can prove that any of these things are right. So we had more diabolical uh, handball calls, more diabolical offside calls, uh, the first one being uh, um, Leeds game-tying goal would have brought the game to 1-1 versus Crystal Palace on Saturday early. Uh, Bamford was offside because he pointed his arm out where he wanted the ball. And because of the new handball rule, which is also stupid, he was offside. That would have never been offside in any point of the over 160 years of soccer of football we are trying to make a virtue out of sport it is not virtuous it is a game and sport are played by men and people are making calls it's not that important you don't have to be perfect it's not measured to fucking nuclear time it's just men kicking a ball trying to score goals the money will be there regardless of whether the result is, th- is right or not. Shit, it's been corrupt for t- fucking 100 years. Why are we trying to fix it now? So that was one. Um, Wolves lost to Leicester on a handball that was a yard away from another player. A cross was kicked into a man's arm, and they called a penalty. There is no human way that that could have been avoided, completely 
impossible, completely impossible. In City's game versus Liverpool, another handball call when a ball was kicked into another man's arm that would never have been a penalty ever in the history of soccer until now. In the Aston Villa Arsenal game, a goal was scored in the first 45 seconds that had no way of being saved ever in a million years. It wasn't seen. Nobody protested. Nobody cared. Nobody even thought that it was a problem until they reviewed it and the ball and the goal was chalked off. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? Who is it for? We have avoided tyranny in the United States for now, but we have continued the tyrannical desire of sport to be more virtuous via instant replays in every sport and is ruining them in every sport basketball, NFL, baseball, now the Premier League. Everywhere we try and make virtuous perfection, we ruin that which makes us human. Stop trying to measure everything and make them perfect. Be human. Be human. That's why we like sports. We are watching humans do incredible things because we can't do them as more mere mortals. We love them because they're more perfect than we are. Stop trying to make them perfect. The result will be the result. We'll all be happy. It will be fine. On to the football. Okay. The big, big, big game was Manchester City, Liverpool. I did not, I was not in my normal perch of pain on my couch. I was instead driving. So I watched this on my phone while I was driving. Don't tell anyone. I did turn it off when I saw a cop. But uh, this was an interesting game, very tactical. Uh, Liverpool played their four big guns. They played Mane, Firmino, Salah, the three best attacking duo in the world, probably or at least most famous. And they added their new guy, Jota, uh, Diego Jota, who has scored six goals in five days. And heroic Liverpool, tiny, middling Liverpool, went up early on a penalty by Kyle Walker. I think City were a little bit all over the place. They didn't know what to do with the four uh, attackers at once. Um, I think Mike, in our preview said as much that they'd probably play the four with a four, two, three, one and Liverpool were very good. They're playing really good defense. And I think the Van Dyke thing is a little underblown. I think they're playing fantastically city weathered it. They got control of the game. Um, they still having the same problems that they have been. They have a very good defense right now. And it took time to get De Bruyne on the ball and City leveled the game through Gabriel de Jesus. Gabriel Jesus, shockingly, scoring goals requires a striker. Surprise. 
and City got into the game. We had a chance to go up via Kevin De Bruyne on that dubious handball that I did not want. I did not want that goal. That's how fucked up VAR is. It doesn't even want me to win my team to win because how we got that was poor. And Kevin De Bruyne inexplicably missed. And this first half kind of ended. And the second half, the, the teams petered out with a little bit of this fatigue thing that's going on that I'll cover after I do the games. But City are going to feel good about this, and so are Liverpool. I think if you're a City fan, you know how bad City have been defensively. You know that anytime teams break through our midfield, you're petrified and think they're going to score. That is not the problem right now. That is not the problem right now. City have two capable center backs in Diaz and Laporte. They have a creative left back in Cancelo, who basically plays as a midfielder, who played really well defensively today. And Kyle Walker, who had been our best defender until today. Uh, he gave up a penalty and got spun around a couple times. But hey, you're going against Mane. And Liverpool, and City will feel really good. Uh, City had a couple of good chances, two shots on target. One was the goal. The other was Raheem Sterling on an almost nutmeg. It does get through Allison, but it loses a lot of steam, and Matic, Matic, Matic uh, cleared it off the line. But it was a good game. It was a tactical game, lots of rain. Uh, City still are not creating things. And I want to give David Silva a real shout-out. I don't think I realized how big of a deal he was going to be to not be there. Uh, if you see in La Liga, Real Sociedad, a good team in Spain, is now in first place. It's not a coincidence that, that David Silva's on that team. He's just a winner. He does things that you just don't really realize. As a person who watches a lot of games, I now realize the places that David Silva would be that he's not now. I don't know if that makes sense. It's, it's as though you watch a game as a City fan you expect there to be a certain person in a certain space, and he's just gone. He's not there, and he used to be there. So it's the absence of options. It's not – it's like it, this weird midfield gap. Like the center back would have the ball. It would go to the defending – the holding midfielder, and David Silva would be the next progressive pass up, and he'd find a pass around the corner to Sterling or Sané. That, nobody's there now. And it's only De Bruyne as that option. I don't know who the person is supposed to be there or who's supposed to take up that space or if they don't know how or they're just marked or whatever. Just nobody's there. It's very strange. Uh, I do think it's more that the space that David Silva used to take up is now being used as a defensive midfielder where, where Rodri and, and Gundogan are playing next to each other. Whereas when Silva played, Fernandinho would be on his own and he would play ahead of him. Anyway, it's very intricate, deep nerd stuff. But City played well and they're, they listen, they are a good defensive team now. Their problem is they can't score. So City will take the draw. I felt good about the draw. I didn't feel sad. I mean, it was a chance to get points, but you know, what are we going to do? I have to sneeze. So bear with me. <laughs> The next game to talk about is Arsenal-Aston Villa. Arsenal got whooped, whooped 
they have the same problem as City does, except they have a solution. They're choosing not to use it. And I'll get what you mean. So Arsenal lost to Aston Villa 3-0. And like I said earlier, a goal in the first 45 seconds from John McGinn um, by set up by Grealish, who's literally the best player in the world and fucking incredible. I just can't deal with him. There's a little bit of a Spice Boys thing going on with Aston Villa between Barkley, Cash, and Grealish. They just look like a boy band. Uh, they have tight outfits. They look great, which is awesome. <laughs> and, and, and throw in Ali Watkins, who also looks great. Um, the first goal was disallowed. But Villa stayed tough, and Arsenal just had no creativity. None. Zero. That creative midfielder is not there. I think that Arteta is having the same problem where he plays Thomas and Elneny, and Tomas Partey is... He's going back and forth and carrying the ball, but it looked like everything was trying to come from Bakari Saka, and he's just not there yet. Um, Willian's not offering much. Aubameyang is just not scoring right now. He's just not clicking right now. Uh, I thought, you know, defensively they were okay, um, but, but, you know, Aston Villa, when they had chances, when they came forward, they looked really good. Their first goal was incredible. Um, it was a three-man weave on the left side with Grealish, Barkley, and then Target coming in and then smashing across across the, uh, the six-yard box and Trezeguet coming in in the back post. Uh, it went off Saka, but if he hadn't been an own goal, it wouldn't have been. But Arsenal were just like toyed with, and Rob Holding was out there on his own with his balding head just getting lit up. Uh, so that was poor. And then the second goal was an incredible pass from Douglas Louise across to Ross Barkley. He one times it outside the from about just inside the 18 yard box, a one time cross on the fly, volleyed to Ollie Watkins' head. Boom. Incredible goal. And then the last goal was just three minutes later, off a save, Emmy Martinez out to Grealish. He runs 50 yards. 60 yards, carrying the ball, fighting off tackles, leaves it on to Ali Watkins, one-time finish. Arsenal just torn apart, unable to deal with the midfield of, of, um, of Aston Villa. So Aston Villa, really good. Arsenal now off, the, off beating Man United, have now lost two in a row at home. I, don't, I think Arsenal fans are okay. I think they know that they're not quite there, but that's a – that's a tough loss. And, you know, you kind of get the feeling that Arsenal might not actually be as good as Aston Villa. I don't know. I don't know. The mighty have fallen. That's for fucking shit, sure. Um, Everton, Man United. Man United were in trouble. We thought that Ali out, Ali out. I still think Ali out. He keeps getting these nine live wins. Ultimately. Man United, they win the game. Uh, Fernandez is really good. I don't know what's going on with Everton. They can't seem to get it right. My notes on this game were that the defense for Everton was really bad. Holgate and and Keane were just too far apart. And the two goal and two of the goals that that um that United scored were because you know Keane and Holgate were just way too far apart. The first header 
from Fernandez, he was just on his own. He just like a, a give and go. Uh, and the second, I don't quite remember, <laughs> to be honest. Um, uh, and then um, Cavani scored late on a breakaway. But yeah, and they just couldn't create anything. They did have Dina and Coleman back. Um, and James was there. So they had all their guys. They're still missing Richarlison. But it just seems like they just couldn't get it done. And it was a good, good, good performance by United, to be fair. I mean, I'm not going to discredit them. They, they went down early to Bernard uh, on, a, on a break-in. And then from there, they were able to, to really put the game away. But it was a good game. It was a game that when you don't mark Fernandez, you can see what happens as a number 10. So he was able to pull the strings and get things moving there. Um, I think it was more that Keane and Holgate are not great defenders together, and neither of them came out, or Alan was able to mark, you know, Fernandez in that game. So it was a little bit of a problem. But Ole is still not the answer. I don't care what anyone says; he's not the answer for United. And the sooner they can realize that, the sooner they can move forward. This team is not going to go anywhere, United fans. They're just not, not the way they're presently constituted. They get lucky on moments. They have these things. They've got a lot of good players. There is a really good team in Manchester United. It is not getting, it is not there because of Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. He played Fred and McTominay again. They have a Pogba problem. No one can play him and be good because he's a loser. I've decided. Pogba, loser. Chelsea beat Sheffield. Really good performance for Chelsea, nice and easy. They really had they went down early on a really nice goal by Sheffield and then just opened up Sheffield United. No problem. Killed them off. Really good stuff from them. Uh, I don't think Priolisic's ever gonna play. The the big takeaway from this is Zicek was really, really good. They got him from Ajax. He was whipping balls in er, two balls early that he missed that were just like, hey, he's being really ambitious. And then later on. He opened things up, and he started to click. And he, he assisted on Chilwell's and Thiago Silva's. Abraham scored a goal that he, he shanked, but it got in. Uh, but dominant performance by Chelsea. 20 shots, nine on target. They're looking good. Uh, the Mendy things worked. Thiago got a goal. So to me, when I think about the league right now, I really like Chelsea. Uh, I was worried about their defense a lot. Uh, I don't know about... Frank Lampard when they face adversity. But as long as he plays Conte at the base of the three in the midfield, he's going to be fine. The guy is a fucking legend. Let Angolo Conte carry you. He's won two league titles, essentially being a one-man defense. Let set Conte free at the base of your midfield, and you will be happy. Other games of note, Tottenham beat West Brom. West Brom could have won this game, uh, but the first time we saw Bale, Son, and Kane all together. Uh, Tenge and Dombele in the middle. A good game. It's good to see them, but, you know, it was hard fought. A good win for Tottenham. They got lucky. I think West Brom had some chances. They didn't play well, but they got the win, and that's all that matters for Mourinho-type teams. Harry Kane on a faded header on the, in the 88th minute. The goalkeeper probably could have come out and stopped it, but bleh, 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 he fucked up. Leicester beat Wolves 1-0. Uh, 
two penalties, one dubious. Uh, Leicester, again, defend really well. Wolves are a tough team. Leicester, top of the league. The Broge. The Broge, top of the league. Leicester do this really, really, really good job of blending veterans with youth. And so that allows them to grow players that they can move on. And Vardy is fucking incredible. I'm now, I'm all in on Vardy. He's a fucking legend. Uh, another game to talk about just because of the incidents. West Ham won Fulham nil. This game was going to be a nil-nil draw. It looked nasty. My guy, uh, Ben Rama, another one of my friends from Brentford. Just want to make sure I've got his name. Uh, what the hell is the guy's name? Saeed Ben Rama, yes. And my guy, Jared Bowen, he came off, but Fornells came off. Once Ben Rama came on, he really opened things up in the final 15 minutes of the game. Uh, laid it off to Suchek, who had been largely missing in the 90th minute. Boom, Suchek scores a goal. Then in the last minute, in the 95th minute, Tom Kearney from Fulham draws a penalty. They go to VAR. There wasn't a penalty. Then they called it. <sighs> this game should have been over anyway. But the problem with this was the lone E, a Lookman, comes in in a 95th minute penalty, the last kick of the game, and tries to chip Fabianski, and he misses it really badly. Really, really sad. The guy's crushed. And uh, he's pretty sad about that. Moral of the story, don't try and fucking chip goalkeepers on penalties unless you can do it. So that was really, really bad. That's one talking point that went on there. Uh, the rest of the games, you know, let's just go through the standings really quick. Leicester winning the league. Leicester in first, Tottenham second, Liverpool third. Southampton, fourth. They're playing really, really well. The Hasenhutl revolution is revolutionary. I love them. They're fucking good. They finally got Che Adams going. Chelsea in fifth. Villa in seventh. Everton, Villa in sixth. Everton in seventh. Crystal Palace in eighth. Wolves in tenth. Man City, Wolves in ninth. Man City in tenth. Now, to be fair, Villa have a game in hand, and so do Manchester City. So we've only played seven, and Villa have played seven. So Z Villa is really playing well. Uh, in terms of goals against City, Leicester, Tottenham, Villa, and City, all on nine goals allowed. Again, we have one less game, so maybe our defense is not as good. So it's really, it's really Leicester and Tottenham are the best defenses. On goal difference, like I like to talk about, the top team is Tottenham along with Chelsea on 10 goal difference. City's on plus one. That 5-2 really hurt. Same with Liverpool. They're on plus two. They had a 7-2, which is where I really look at. I really look at goal difference to really get a sense of who's really bad. So again, bottom three, Fulham, West Ham, Burnley, Sheffield, all minus eight or worse. So goal difference. Keep an eye on that. We are now in the international break. Fuck. Nobody likes the international break. Again, why the fuck do they have this? It sucks. Um, 
But there's one other talking point that's going on, and it is this. The big teams, so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United, Liverpool's Klopp, Klopp's Liverpool, and Guardiola's City have just been, and Mourinho complains about everything, so he doesn't matter, just been complaining about the number of games they have to play and this rule uh, with five substitutes. So after the restart with COVID, there was a rule that allowed three separate substitutions like normal, but you could substitute five players. So you had three opportunities to change players, but you could change two. So normally it's just three total, one player, one player. So there was that. Uh, That means two additional players, but only three changes. And that's to try and keep players fresh, whatever. Obviously, that benefits teams that have lots of money and big squads like the rich teams. Uh, And the rest of the Premier League voted not to allow that. In Europe, it's allowed. In the Champions League, it's allowed. So everyone else has five subs, but not the Premier League because you have this faction of we're not rich teams. It suits you. Fuck you. So um, there was a lot of complaining about that. And it has affected play. I mean, the City game really petered out. Guys got tired. You could say the same for Arsenal. You could say the same for Tottenham. So everyone's been playing every three days, the big teams, because they play in Europe. They play either Saturday, Sunday, and then Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. But the, the Europa League teams, there's a second tournament. They always play on Thursday, and then they usually play on Sunday. But uh, Man United had it tough. They played on Wednesday and then early on Saturday. So they were very upset about that. Um, I don't have sympathy. Um, You're a big team. You're a multi-billion dollar company. You should have the players to play. Just rotate your squad. It can be done. It can be done. I know that players are getting injured. I know that this is happening. I, I sympathize. I really do. But if you want to be a big boy and be an internationally known brand, shut the fuck up. Okay? I have respect for players. I, I, I worry about their health. I get it. I totally understand. Just use your resources to alleviate the problem. Find spots where you can ditch games. Change one or two players at a time. Play a half hour here. A half hour there. Use it during training. Whatever you can do to avoid it. Now, we can't handle the mental anguish, right? I think one of the things that's underrated, you know, we talk about the physicality and the, and the number of games. I think the difficulty and why things are so strange this year is COVID is fucking mentally draining. You're fucking at home. You're worried about your family. You can't see your friends. You can't go out. You can't live your life as normal. And the games aren't even being played as normal. They're playing played behind closed doors. Every flight you have to take, you have to wear a fucking mysterial bowl on your head and try and fly around. So there's a little bit of fear. There's a little bit of anxiety. And you have all the shit that's going on and you have to play all these games. It's like, you know, it's 20, all these guys are in their early 20s trying to go to work, you know, in these weird conditions. You know, if you, if you take away the fact that they're international footballers, they're basically guys who have to fly everywhere every twice a week to go play somewhere, which sucks, especially in COVID. You're scared. You want to be home. You want to be with your family. 
one of these guys, the only consistency is that they play soccer. Otherwise, they're just working class schnooks. They're like kids two, four years away from playing PlayStation in high school, but now they're international superstars. They're still people. Anyway, I don't have sympathy at the club level. I have sympathy at the personal level. I don't know how to jive those two things. So that's what I'm saying. I'm a little bit off base there, but I do get it. I just don't want to hear managers fucking complaining about it because shut the fuck up. You get it? Thank you. And I think that really wraps this up. We'll be back for Thursday. I think Mike wanted to talk about uh, Southampton for some reason, but we won't be back until the Premier League will not be back until November 21st. Today is the 9th. And so that is that. Uh, congratulations to uh, President-elect Joe Biden. Uh, we are now in the, oh, my God, Trump is going to stage a coup phase of the election. And uh, I'll believe that when I see it. And if there is a coup, please go to the White House and start shooting. Because if it's that important to you, then stop a coup. Until then, the squeaky shut the fuck up. Bum time podcast with Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines. This was a crap football, crap pundit production. We will return on Mondays and Thursdays for the Premier League season. We will talk about soccer and other things that interest us. Mike is crazy. Laurent is insane. That's why it works. <laughs>